Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Voice. I'm Celestial, and you're welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. Please adjust your streaming by using the three dots menu at the top, or if the picture is still not clear, you can look along the bottom of your device until you see a little icon like a cog or a wheel, and then adjust your picture quality to 720p or 1080p. I am still making changes to the YouTube channel. I still have to make short introductions for the videos that have been removed, the videos that concern 2020 pandemic, everything that God had to say about it. I've been announcing it for the last few videos so that when people see those short clips, you know that that's just basically directing you like traffic to other other platforms where you can find that information if you still need it. And so uh, this is basically a continuation of the last prophecy that I made concerning um, same-sex lifestyle in the church, but it is also a very strong indictment from God really to the church itself. And by the church itself, I'm not speaking of the leaders um, I'm speaking of the people that sit in the church and call themselves Christians, people who the Lord says are so morally corrupt that they have loved, they have lost their first love, which is to love the Lord, their God with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul and all their strength. And they have instead crossed an invisible line in the church and become what he called sympathizers of sin. So I have not, I have not even had time to write this down because this Lord, this the Lord was laying on me last night in one way. And then I woke up very early. And so I have nothing written down except just a few notes and scripture that the Lord has been pressing upon my heart and asking me questions about this scripture, but the title of this message is called Sympathizers of Sin, July 15, 2022. And last night, the Lord was saying to me, Celestial, you will expose these people. So um, I was just having my own private conversation with God that I won't go into. And I was expressing to God my own heart concerning the recent types of videos that I have been making on the Master's Voice. And I made it clear when I started that these are the prophetic words that the Lord has been giving me, and he has been giving them to me for years. See, sometimes we do not, we do not keep in mind that God is a person, and as I've said on this blog consistently, not only do we not keep in mind that God is a person, but we forget in our human selfishness that God is actually the first person. God is the first life. God is the first being. God comes first in all things, and in a world without people, there would be absolutely no disorder because if God had made the world and stopped without making Adam on the sixth day, everything would have stayed perfect because the one who brought sin, the one who cast away dominion and the the one who has put this entire earth into bondage, not only with past sin, but with the continuous sins of his equally hard hearted descendants over the generations is humanity. And then, um, the biggest thing about humanity, as the Lord has said, is the pride that is in the hearts of people. Please understand when you come to the master's voice, uh, I've noticed, I've noticed, and I've sensed there's a very strong tendency of people to think that I am talking about others, but I'm not talking about others. I'm actually talking about you that is watching this video right now. There's always this tendency and I can sense it and I see the proof of it. When I make these videos, there's always this tendency of, oh, thank God, Celestial is talking about this. Oh, thank God, Celestial brought this topic up. But the Lord is revealing to my heart that a lot of the people who actually need to humble themselves, go down on their knees, repent of their sins, and then he will heal their land, their personal land. I'm not talking about America or Venezuela, or wherever you're watching from right now. A lot of the people who are in deepest need of a total overhaul in how they think, how they approach their Christianity, who they see God as, and their own personal holiness 
are the very ones who are caught up in sins, like supporting sin, having gentleness and pity towards sin. I didn't say sinners. I said supporting sin itself, whether directly or indirectly, whether supporting it directly through actions, indirectly through the posture of the heart and the types of words that come out of the mouths of people who call themselves Christians. And God was saying to me that these people don't actually know that they are my enemy and that it is for things like this that I will ultimately destroy them. So I've been talking about the sudden death and the sudden destruction that the Lord says will come to leaders and people are listening and saying, well, you know, some people are saying it's about time and whatever people are saying, that is not my concern. The concern of the Lord is that, and I spoke about it in one of the videos, is that those who are following similar corrupt paths but can't see it are not aware that they will come to a crossroads and find their own judgment waiting for them. So I'm not saying that God is going to come to people's houses and, and similarly take their lives, but there will indeed be many bitter experiences for people who are supporters of sin in their heart and in the kind of cheap morality that they have. There's a very kind of cheap, low-grade morality that has been substituted for the true purity and the true love of God in the church these days. So people no longer call good, good and call evil, evil. Now people in the church will see evil and do one of certain things. The Bible says that when we see sin, we should call it out. The Bible tells us that we have the right as Christians to judge with all righteous judgment. But now there's this new root of evil in the church. The most amazing thing that I've observed in about the last 10 years is that Satan has gotten tired of using the people in the world to attack the church. And he has come directly into the church of Jesus Christ and hired the Christians to attack Christians. So Either Satan woke up and decided, you know, it, it's so easy when unbelievers are attacking the church because when unbelievers attack the church, what I noticed is that the church will come together like a, a blood clot, quickly come together, you know, like coagulated blood, and then they will stand together as one man and they defend themselves against my minions who are coming from the, from the unsaved world. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to corrupt them from within. I'm going to co-opt them from the inside and hire Christians to tear down Christians. I'm going to start a new cult and that cult is going to be called don't judge. You don't know his struggle. You don't know what she's going through. None of us is God. None of us have the right to judge. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire this group of this group of millions and millions, hundreds of millions, please hear me of corrupted believers, because if you are this, you are completely and morally corrupt. You are dead in sin and you do not know that you are a tool of the enemy and you think you are righteous. You have a false form of righteousness and you actually are a new form, a new breed of Pharisee that I have never seen before attacking the church of Jesus Christ and putting scotch tape over its mouth to the joy of the devil. Because when you muzzle the right to call out sin, you give sin an open season ticket. You give sin floor seats in someone else's life because without rightly judging sin, there can be no repentance of that sin. And if a person does not repent of sin, that person is automatically a candidate for hell the judgment of hell. That's the whole foundation of Christianity to start with, that we must confess our sin and put our trust, not in ourselves as mini gods, but in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only sovereign and wise and living God. There is only one God and there is only one word. And if we do not come during our lifetime to the confession of sin so that Jesus Christ can become the propitiation for our sin, God's only holy righteous payment, then 
We can live until we are 90 or we can lose our lives at 15. And it doesn't matter how tragic the circumstances or it doesn't matter how perfect and fittingly so-called moral our life was, how much we gave to charity and how many school fees we paid and how many, um, how many good works we did. When we stand before the Lord because we did not have this confession of faith, we will be considered unfit to come into God's eternal kingdom. And so what Satan has does, done is Satan has come to weak and cheap fabric in the church. Please hear me because I'm not afraid of anyone on this channel and I will speak God's word in flat boldness. Satan has identified the weak and the cheaper materials in the church. People who have decided not to build with gold and silver, but who are lazy and like the approximation of faith. The approximation of faith is I don't want to do the work to build up the true faith that is resting upon the true word of God. So I'm just going to pick a bit of popular culture and what I heard in a Bible study a few years ago when I was taking God more seriously when I was in college. And I'm going to mix it with all the stuff that the feel good pastors on, on the internet are saying. And then I'm going to read a few Bible verses, and then I'm just going to also go with the big fat love is love brigade. And then what I'm going to do is mix all that up. And that's going to be uh, my faith. That's an approximation of faith because it has absolutely nothing to do with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to join this group of people. And I also am going to say to people, I'm a Christian and I'll believe in my heart that I'm a Christian. But what I'm actually here to do in the midst of the true flock is that I'm here to see to it that sin gets a fair shake. I'm here to see to it that sin also gets its day in court. So if sin has been caught and sin is being taken to court, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to be sin's lawyer. I'm going to defend sin. I'm going to come up with excuses for sin by saying, let's not look at this sin. But then we don't know the person's backstory. We don't know what the person is going through. And, and then we shouldn't say anything. And we're not God forgetting that God only one time stepped his foot down here. Before that, he wasn't here, but he still expected this earth to be ruled by righteous Adam and righteous Eve, who are supposed to be constantly upholding God's law, not government policy, not their private ideas, not what they feel, or not what they sympathize with. So the Lord was laying it on my heart and I'm just going to put it as bluntly as he put it. God said some blunt things that, um, I said, Lord, I, I don't think that I can say it like that. And he said, say it however you want to say it, but make sure that you say it and you tell them. And so to use popular parlance, one of the things that God was saying is that when judgment comes to your door, the very same posture that you take now in supporting people who sin by saying, oh, thoughts and prayers, prayers and wishes. Oh no, don't judge. The Lord says when those similar judgments come to your door, he expects you not to change your position. So when a man commits infidelity, a man who is given public trust in the church, for instance, when that man commits infidelity and then will not confess to the infidelity, he will not humble himself and recuse himself from his position as a leader, but instead will begin to blame his inner child and things like that. And then you come with this nonsense that I can't stand. But we're all human. We understand, Pastor, we love you, we love you. When you come with that nonsense, the Lord was saying to me, Celestial, the judgment will come full circle. When your wife of 12 years sleeps with someone that she meets on Facebook who makes her feel special, you better open your mouth and tell your wife that she's only human and you understand that we all get weak sometimes. You better not call that woman a loose woman or curse her in any way. You better not put her away, but you better act like Hosea and keep her under your wing and love her in her sin the way you love these pastors in their sin, the way you go on their live streams and you send hearts and wishes and likes and little tear emojis as they use false lying fronts 
to make themselves appear vulnerable for the moment because they are so condemned in their spirit that instead of switching off this live, live stream where they come to face you and going to the prayer closet to face the one that they have wronged and tell him, I know when my scandal comes out that I will be torn by these people. I'm already torn in the body because of my penchant for sleeping with little boys, because of my penchant with masturbating on tape, because of my penchant for standing in the church and preaching hot and fiery sermons against people who are caught in, struggling in, or flagrantly enjoying same-sex life, and then going on video to have similar same-sex encounters. So I've been caught and it's about to come out, but I'm here to humble myself in your presence, to tell you that I am wrong, to tell you, God, who is more important, that I am broken, that I am desperately in need of not only your mercy and your forgiveness. That's not all I need, God. It's not just mercy and forgiveness all the time, but I need accountability. I need to truly understand repentance, these men, these women, they don't do this. They come to you, the pointless group out there who have no power to absolve them of this sin. You see, none of us out here in the real world have the, the soap and the water that can cleanse a man's sin. But we have something that feels so much better than forgiveness and repentance. We have our uneducated mouths our sinful hearts that sympathize with wickedness and our empty heads that will say, we love you, pastor. We love you, pastor. We, we, we love you. We're with you. That's what we have. We have cheap, empty, momentary validation. And when I say we, I am in no way speaking of this person sitting here. That's what we offer these leaders. And so they crave that crack so when they stumble, they don't go to the Lord of the harvest and say, Lord, I am in danger of becoming wheat that becomes thin and corrupted and moves over to chaff. I need you to save my mortal soul. I need you to forgive me. I have come to properly repent to, re to receive healing, cleansing, because I need healing and cleansing from the wickedness that I see in myself. Right now, God, I don't need validation. I need to be humble and I need to be helped. But the church cannot see this because the, the new church, Church Nouveau, greatly loves its so-called role as a restorer. The church believes that with fake sympathy and fake love, uh, they can restore anyone who has fallen back to the position of a righteous son when actually the truth is that our role is to always watch for the wolf in our midst, the first wolf being Satan, the second wolf being sin that always moves around with Satan. If Satan is, if Satan is a glass bottle, then sin is the filthy and evil perfume, the evil scent that comes out of that bottle. If Satan is a wolf, sin is the teeth in the mouth of that wolf, always seeking about who it can tear to pieces. But the church does not see itself as the shepherd that will stand guard first over itself, not to be tempted, not to fall, and then to protect brethren by saying, I sense the fragrance of that evil glass bottle on you. I see coming close to you, or I see already tearing at your neck, the destructive teeth of the wolf. You see the wolf, wolves in nature don't go anywhere without their teeth. No wolf in its right mind would separate itself from its teeth because to do that is to invite death, even from its own pack, but also from other predators. So Satan never moves around without sin, but Satan has found a way to infiltrate this modern church and to have the sheep protect him. So some of the sheep are blind as bats and also very arrogant with it. I look sometimes when I come on the weekend to moderate this blog and I see the total 
ignorance in some of the people who come here. Don't, don't judge him because only God knows his heart. And I'm thinking an infant could see that there is sin in this person's life. Who are you? Is, is your Bible still wrapped in the plastic? Is it still on the way from Amazon or what? Who are you in this ignorance to stand up and defend sin? And I can tell you, if I ever see any of that on this blog, that person will be summarily banned. You will never be able to make another comment on the master's voice. And the reason for that is simple. To me, this is not a, a life pursuit. I've made it clear that this is the calling in my life and I will honor it to the fullness that I can, but this is not something I've taken it. This is, no, it's not like that. It's not like those on some of those on the internet who, if they can't uh, bring prophecy or if they can't be seen by people and get likes and approval, then they, they don't even know who or what they are. I know who and, who and what I am in God. And my, I'm making my way the best I can through this. But if anyone thinks, the, the master's voice to me is a garden. That, that's what it is. The sower went out to sow. If I see bad seed growing on this blog, if I see the nonsense, the hippie nonsense of the modern day church, it will be summarily removed. And anyone responsible for that, you will be summarily removed along with your juvenile third grade. But you know, shouldn't we? You will just be removed because I do not intend to be hindered in the work that I am doing. And so the Lord was saying, the sympathizers of sin, when these same judgments fall upon you, because please believe the Bible says in Galatians that God cannot be mocked, says as a man sows, so shall he reap. So, so this, this scripture basically means that the very seeds you are sowing with your mouth are actually seeds that are coming from your heart. They are seeds that are coming from the way you see life, the way you truly view life, that you do, you have two choices and you've decided you're not going to stand up for righteousness. You're going to stand up and you're going to defend sin. And, but you tell yourself you're not actually defending sin because you're, you're keeping that poor person from being torn by the evil Christians who want to tell them that fornication is not okay. You, you're the protector of telling people that they have lust, something that is constantly visible here on the master's voice. The amount of people that come here and are and have lust in their heart and the lust announces itself by the things they say. And I just see it and this is why I just, I don't engage because the Lord raised me to know that defilement can be transferred in a second like this. Defilement is so easy to pass along and I spoke of it in the last video when I was talking about the fact that God said the church is gay. When the church has pastors who are defiled, when the church has pastors who are lustful, when the church has pastors who commit adultery, when the church has pastors who have a hunger for youthful flesh, little boys, young boys, when the church is homosexual, what happens is that the church is defiled. And I described how easy it is for that defilement to pass from the pastor, who is the head, all the way down to the members, down to the lowliest member who can barely follow along what the pastor is preaching, down to the hem of the garment, the hem of the garment, this very little border here, what Jesus calls, and what, what the Bible calls the least of these. Jesus is always talking about the least of these, down to this very hem, the people become defiled. And I said, soon you will notice that the people will rise up to play. They will rise up in the same sexual heat that their leader is committing. And then they will be talking to one another. I don't know. We were only doing Bible study. And then, you know, this and that happened. And, and all it is, is just the progression of lust. As it goes with the, with the shepherd, so it goes with the sheep. So God was telling me that we have a greatly compromised church. And he's saying that you want to sympathize with sin he says that all things go full circle. So when that exact same sin of the pastor's adultery that you stand and go, we love you, pastor. 
we're all human. Of course, we're all human. I always ask people if they think that the gospel was given to, um, I don't know, llamas or the American bald eagle. Was it, was, it to the, was, it, was it a group of American bald eagles that Jesus was with? And then he said, go out, fly out into all the world and tell the rest of the bald eagles. Is the gospel to any part of the animal kingdom or is the gospel of Jesus Christ to men? If the gospel is to men, then why do the men when they fall on their faces, resort to this cheap Adamic excuse, which is, but we're only human. Why don't we realize that of course we're only human, that Jesus died for humans, that he knows our frailty. And David is always talking about the frailty of man in the Bible. Nobody's in the Bible saying, oh, but I'm only human. They always go back to God if they have the right posture of righteousness in them and say, oh God, wretched man, that I am wretched man that I am have mercy on me. And the reason that God told me to tell many of you an overwhelming number, the reason he says that you are receiving no help with your sin, no help with your problem is because you are so proud. You are sinning and then you're covering for your sin and talking about, oh, but I want to please God, but you're not pleasing God. So how about shifting the prayers and then saying, God, I know that you are not pleased with my, with my current behavior. I know, God, that you can see directly into my heart. You can see my mess. Have mercy on a wretched man like me. No, we do exactly like these pastors on the live stream. We come to social media and then we tell people, you know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying. And, and, and what we greatly want is sympathy because here's what sympathy does. Oh, sympathizers of sin. Sympathy takes away this sting that correction and rebuke brings. Not knowing that Jesus said that every son, the Lord said, every son that I love, I chastise. If I am not allowed to chastise you, if I am not allowed to correct you, if I'm not allowed to rebuke you, then you are a bastard. Meaning you may have a mom, but nobody knows your dad. And since we know that Jesus is our dad, he's basically telling you, please listen, depart from me. I knew you not. That's what he's saying. So instead of falling on our knees, all this, I have not written it down and this will just be a free form video to warn the church. This channel is primarily for the church of Jesus Christ because traditionally in prophecy, in Bible prophecy, the Lord wouldn't just send the prophet all over to just start talking to the unbeliever. It's only a certain level of prophet that God actually starts to send outside of the jurisdiction of the church to address the world, to tell the world what is coming. So this is somebody like Jonah. This will be somebody like Isaiah. This will be somebody like Jeremiah who was even known by the Babylonians. That's how well known God will make some prophets. When the Babylonians came, when they captured, you know what, they, you know what the heads of the generals were telling the Israelites when they were bundling them up to take them naked into captivity, America? Babylonians were telling them, well, you brought this on yourself because your prophet was here all along. Your prophet was here all along talking to you and telling you, he was telling you guys not to fight. He was telling you guys not to resist. He was telling you to surrender. Your God told you to surrender to us and that we would be gentle with you, but you resisted. You kept us sitting outside these city walls all these years. And for that, for causing us to use up our manpower, our resources, all our horses got sick and old and died out there. We were in the desert out there outside this Jerusalem. For that, you guys are going to make this long pilgrimage all the way to where we come from, stark naked, walking in this 47,000 degree hot sun. So let's get going. And God has already showed me that something very similar will happen like that when Russia comes here. And I put it on my blog. If you are a regular blog reader, you will find that there's not much that I hold back except things concerning me personally. So there will be judgment. It won't be the kind of judgment where like these, like these men and women who are sinning, you fall dead or anything like that. But God is just saying that when he's ready to visit you, 
with the similarity of the things you supported. You got the little pride flag on your thing every June. You've been having it there. You were not in same-sex relations yourself, but you have just been a supporter. Freedom, freedom. When you grow up and you marry and you're hoping for grandkids and your daughter comes home with Jessica, don't say a word. Tell her we're all human and do the same thing. Sympathizers of sin, I'm warning you, if you do not repent of the wickedness that is actually at work in your members, the wickedness to call evil good, and then to say the good of those who have eagle eyes, those who have a true shepherd's heart, whether that person is in leadership or not, when they speak up, then you start this, you know, but we don't know his struggle and we don't know his heart. The Lord never says, go, said to us, go out into all the world and become heart doctors. He said, go out and make disciples. This is the same Lord of the harvest who said, by their fruit, you should know them. I don't need to know the heart of an apple tree. When I see the thing producing the apple buds and I see the full grown apple and I pull it down and I eat the fruit, I know what it is. I don't need to cut the tree open and go, heart of the tree, I'm seeking to understand, are you really an apple? Because I'm getting tomato vibes from you. This is the foolishness that has made the, the church a toothless bulldog. So just to say a few things that the Lord said, um, the Lord said that he will continue exposing people by their name. He will continue exposing people by their name. And this was sitting very heavy upon my heart because to be totally honest, not really interested in that kind of thing. It is, like I said, the internet is forever, but the Lord take his glory because the thing is that if I say, Lord, I won't do it for whatever reason, then what it means is I also become in a way one of sin's henchmen in the church covering over evil. So the first thing that happened to me this morning is that when I woke up, I began to see the substance that comes out of men when they have been sexually excited to their final. I was seeing it and 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 the Lord was speaking to me. This is just going to stay a video actually. I'm not going to write this on that blog. And the Lord was speaking to me and telling me that the pastors are so gay and that the pastors have so much desire for um, child flesh male flesh in particular, that it is actually um, a almost like a delicacy in the hearts of ministers. For me, I think uh, finding out about gayness in the church was something that it, it's not even, it was just, I think, when same-sex marriage was legalized and then there was this huge outbreak of ministers just rushing to the altar to marry their secret boyfriend. See, um, the government of America usurped the position of God. So the government of America decided that they would legislate um, moral righteousness in America. And when they did that, there was this outburst of people coming out of the woodwork. It wasn't only normal people going to get married. It was these pastors, Pastor Jamal and Pastor whoever, you know, it would just be like a man and then he would marry another man and then he would call the man the first husband of the church, this thing sent me spinning like a top into absolute confusion. Like, is, is this, wait. And I could not, I could not pretend, you see, that's the thing. Logical thinking doesn't give you an easy out where you're like, but I don't understand. You see an outbreak of something, just like if you see outbreak of roaches in your house, you can't go, I don't understand. No, you know that the roaches have been nesting in the house because everybody knows nesting takes some time. And then when you see the outbreak, the outbreak is already telling you, among other things, besides the fact that your house is dirty, it's telling you, we've been here for some time. We've just completed the nesting process. And now these are all our youngins that we're bringing out to say hello. And so when I saw this, I could not even pretend to the Lord, like, oh Lord, this must have just crept up now. No, this has just been sleeping in the woodwork and the change in the law gave it the opportunity to jump out. So this is what God was showing me. These, just the overflow, and he does it. There's a prophecy on the blog that is called Rivers in the Street. And the Lord was showing me this male substance that comes out of their bodies. And it was flowing on the ground in a river so gross that I was just horrified. And the side of the street, I crossed over completely. 
And then there were streams also flowing in the street. And the Lord was telling me, this is the females. This is the sexual immorality of the females. It is out in the street. It is unbridled. It is literally running the streets. And nobody needs me to tell them this because if you look at TV, TV will tell you this. If you look in your apartment building, your apartment building will tell you this. When you go to the supermarket and you see all those young people that have one cart and they are buying food for themselves, it means that they're already shacking up and they're not married. And so nobody needs me. This is not breaking news. So I kept seeing this and seeing this and seeing this. And the Lord was just quiet. And I finally said, Lord, please, is there a message? Because this was going on. I would sleep and and see it in my dreams and then wake up and see it in vision. I just said, Lord, is there a message? And then that's when he began to speak. said, the pastors in this country have a great desire for child flesh. And I was seeing children. I'm just going to say, you know, if you have a little son and he is growing up and he's six or seven or eight, how those children are just so lanky and their little behinds are just like two mangoes next to one another. They're so skinny. They're so tiny. I was seeing grown men behind them, defiling them. So just from the, the lower, this part down, I was seeing that mostly boys, but also girls. And the Lord was telling me, this is in the heart of the pastors. It is in their heart, some of them, and they stroke that desire with fantasies and gay porn. And then some of them are actually doing it. And what happens when these men are caught in a front, right? What happens when these men are caught in a front? And I'm going to speak of this because there are names that he has brought up, and I just haven't said them in the last few videos. Bishop Eddie Long was one of them. So let me give you the formula so that you can be a little bit wiser. When these pastors are caught, like I said, and now we're in the social media age where they can come to you for affirmation and they come and ask you, you who are not God, who have no power to forgive them. Let me just tell you, whatever live streams you are watching and you're sending thoughts, wishes, hearts, and prayers, you've done absolutely nothing. I just want to let you know that that pastor's sin is still upon him. If that person does not go to God and repent, his sin is upon him. You have served no useful purpose. You've just used up your data. And also, and I will talk about this in this video, you have left a thumbprint, a defining mark to who you are that will label you for judgment later. So let the wise listen and understand. What these men do when they know that they are about to be embarrassed, when they know that they've been caught and it's about to go viral, then they they will come and they will say things like, you know, we have enemies among us, people who hate the ministry. This was the route that um, Bishop Eddie took. Bishop Eddie went and commissioned a friend of his who was a prophet to come and stand on God's altar and tell lies and say that the church had enemies and that the church always, uh, uh, and the church needed to, to, to really, the church needed to brace itself for the kind of evil things that those wicked enemies out there would want to do to, to the father of the church. And the church needed to band together and be strong now because when these evil, evil doers do their evil, then it will be evilly evil against us. And the prophet, came, may God forgive that man if he has not repented and said that he had had a dream of an evil, uh, of an evil onslaught against Bishop Eddie. And you know that these people were doing this, but a mere few days before a major United States network would break the story that this man who once had himself carried in a golden throne across the stage of his church had a penchant for taking compromising pictures and sending it to people who should be playing video games. And then he mitigated it and, 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 and said it only stopped there until other accusers came out and said, no, you physically touched and abused me. That is how that man went down in infamy. I did not mention him. And yet in 2014, as I said in the last video, Um, No more false prophecy. He was one of the names that the Lord gave me and said that I'm observing these people over a period of 10 years and Bishop Eddie did not last throughout the period of 10 years. He passed away under strong allegations that he received the penalty of error in the body. 
And so when you see them coming on their live streams and they're telling you, oh, you know, I, uh, you know, family, uh, family, uh, I, I'm broken. I'm, I'm, I'm broken. The person to go and tell that you're broken is Jesus Christ. So as the Lord was showing me these little tiny little naked children with their small bodies, and sometimes I could see it was an older boy, maybe 15 or 16, that was being put in that position by pastors. The Lord said that it's in the pastor's hearts, but then some of the pastors are acting upon it. Some of the pastors are using their wives as a beard. And now we come to this man that, um, that uh, the Lord had me look into briefly yesterday. And I found out that this man has quite an interesting history of infidelity, lying about the infidelity, constantly coming and live streaming and going family, family. And that man is the pastor by the name of John Gray. The Lord spoke about this man last night. And this morning, the Lord said to me, um, he is the one that struck this man. And he said that if the wife is not careful, for she is a sympathizer with evil, that he will strike her too. So um, he said that this man has absolutely no desire to repent in him. He is a pervert, in other words, and he is not fit to stand at the altar of God. And I can say that with authority because I know the ministry calling on my life. And the rule is that when you are not fit, you have to step down. See, here's the scripture. Um, it says, if you see your brother overtaken in trespass, then you who are more spiritual should restore him with a gentle spirit. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness, taking heed to yourself, lest you fall. So that's Galatians 6.1. And what it's saying here is if you see. So the first thing, the first thing that disqualifies many of the sympathizers of, skin, of sin who come to visit the master's voices, says if you see. So much of the church, your eye is corrupted because you will look at sin and the spirit of God within you, if you have any of it, will tell you, this is not what I desire. This is not wrong. So you see the sin. But then most people say, but I, I, I see no sin. And for them, the scripture is Isaiah 520. Let me go there and read the full thing. Just a moment, please. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21, who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So it's these people who basically know nothing about what, what the scripture teaches. They, they basically have no grasp of what is God's desire and model for his church. But then we'll just jump in based on American churchianity, which is another religion whose head is another Jesus. And these people are seamlessly blended with the, with the mainstream church. To me, it's not seamless because they are as obvious as a fart in the wind. You see them and you instantly know, ah, you are one of these, you are one of sin's bodyguards and protectors. Extremely easy to spot. Just a few sentences out of their mouth and you instantly know, ah, okay, I know who you are. But the Lord says, woe to those people that are calling evil things good and good things evil, who are substituting darkness for light and light for darkness. So their eye is dark. So the first part of Galatians chapter 6, 1, that says, if you see your brother overtaken in sin, the majority of peop these people cannot identify sin. They look at sin and then they're like, but it's a struggle. So sin is not this terrifying and evil enemy that Apostle Paul took his time and he described for us in detail in the entire book of Romans. I mean, that man knocked it out of the park with Romans chapter one alone. If you read Romans chapter one, and that is not enough to let you know what God considers unrighteousness in the hearts and deeds of man, then clearly 
you fall under disqualification of those who have substituted darkness for light because you can't even see what is wrong. If you cannot acknowledge, if two people are married and they're having problems and both of them are unhappy and yet they cannot even acknowledge that they are unhappy and say, let's sit at the kitchen table this weekend after the kids are in bed and talk this thing out because I'm not happy and I can see you. I've known you for 15 years. I can see that you are not happy. If you cannot even acknowledge that there is a problem, then you obviously do not even qualify as one that God can rely on to keep your brother next to you happy. What you will do is you will continue to stroke your brother in his sin and say, oh, you know, I know that you're on crystal meth, you know, but we're all human. And then when you hear he's overdosed, you will come to his legacy page on Facebook and go hearts and thoughts and prayers for Justin. You are useless in the church of Jesus Christ, dead wood that will be burned up by the similarity of judgment that will come to you. And I will speak about that in Romans chapter one and verse 32. So it says, if you see your brother overtaken in trespass, which is basically he's been overcome by sin, then it says you who are more spiritual. So this is definitely the people who can see what is wrong. But then it says, should restore him with a gentle spirit. This means that we don't take up stones to start striking and doing this and all this to people and whatever, even though this is the same apostle Paul who says somebody's in sexual immorality, don't even eat with that person. Paul ran a strict line in the church and he was stricter in some places than others, like in the Corinthian church, because all they wanted to do from breakfast, lunch, and dinner is have sex and sleep with their mothers and do whatever they were used to in their very wild and loose Greek culture. So in that place, we see that Saul, um, Paul was extremely hard line and he had to be because he was fighting some of the worst demons that come to man. And those are the spirits that run and rule over sexual immorality. I'm always talking about sexual immorality on the master's voice. And it's not because I find it a fun topic necessarily because it's always shown to me in extremely gross and disgusting ways. As I said, when I, when I said what God was showing me this morning, showing me men penetrating children without hiding the act. You see, that's another thing that I would like to speak about. The world is what it is. This is happening in homes. And then everybody's like, it's happening in the government. It's happening in Hollywood. It is happening at your brother's house. Your brother, your uncle, your grandfather is or was a pedophile. You just don't know about it or you do know about it. And it's the dirty family secret. This is another thing God was saying. He was saying the sympathizers of sin. When it comes knocking at your door, when the judgment is knocking in the earth, all those who are waving the flag, let it get the government, the red team and the blue team. We need to get them. We need to drain the swamp. We need to bring it down. Make sure that you know that the swamp is running in your family tree and that when the sword is finished with the head that I was speaking of, it will move down to the, to the hem. So when the sword comes knocking at your door and it needs your daughter for being an idolater, when it needs your daughter for being one who lines up crystals on the, the, on the I don't know what it's called. Yes, the windowsill so that she can worship the, the sun in the morning. I've seen young women doing this, lining up all the crystals and saying, oh, mother goddess worship in, is the best hashtag Wicca. When the sword comes knocking at the door for Samantha or Ugwe or whatever your daughter's name is, please do not deny the sword because the sword has already dealt with the elites. The, salt, salt, the sword has, would have already dealt with the government. Please do not try and stand in the way and tell the sword anything, O oh, sympathizer of sin. So the Lord was speaking about this man, saying that the man is unrepented, Pastor John Gray, that the man is completely hardened in his sin, that he is a pervert, he's unfit to stand in the office before God. And yet you look at this and the outpouring of hearts and thoughts and prayers and the arguments under almost every news outlet concerning this matter. Who are you to judge? And how do you know that God will not restore? I will just say what the Lord said this morning, he said to me, Celestial, Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira are a couple that you can find in the book of Acts. I don't have the exact citation right now, but these were just ordinary people. They started as ordinary people, and I don't know how they made it big, but eventually they had a house that when they sold it, they became quite wealthy. 
And at that time, all the other Christians were pooling their resources in common and bringing it to the apostles, bringing it and saying, Peter, I just sold a field. James, I just sold uh, three horses, three prize Arabian horses that I have. And they, f- they fetched a good price on the market. And I brought either the whole thing or I brought a part of it to sow into the ministry. And Peter and the apostles, they had a lot of work. They were building the first church. And so they, they were glad to receive these resources because churches do need the resources to do the work that God appointed them to do. It is just in our crass generation that the work that God has appointed the pastors to do now is wear $20,000 sneakers and have jets. This is what the Lord needs. The Lord needs more jets bought from tithes. If you work and you have a business and you buy your jet, jet on. But if you're building all this excess from people's money, then... Anyway, so um, Ananias and his wife, they sold the house, and then they did not want to give up all the money, and nobody was forcing them to. Nobody asked them to give up all the money. But they came, and they made a perpetration as if they were giving all the money. And so I think it was the husband that came first and said, uh, we sold the house, and here it is. And then Peter looked at him. Peter said, this is all of it? And I said, yes, this is, this is all of it. And Peter asked this really interesting question, and I, and I will just say it to believers. He said, why have, you, why have you conspired to lie to the Holy Spirit? And I think this is what a lot of us in the Church of Jesus Christ don't understand. We really think, Christians really think, that we're getting away with something. And I say to God sometimes, you know, these people don't actually know that you're with them every waking hour of the day. That when you're on YouTube and you're just scribbling, all the stuff you're scribbling, some of you, when you're YouTube comment history comes up on the day of judgment, you will wish you never heard of YouTube. In fact, you will wish, you won't even hate YouTube. You will wish you had been born without hands. You will wish you had been born without hands so that you never would have written what you wrote because it will indict you. Because what you write with the hands is a function of the mind, which is coming out of the deepest black root in your heart. You will wish that you had never said whatever you said on Rumble, Telegram, Instagram, Grammy Gram, Grandma. You will wish that you had never spoken. You will, you will wish that you had done what James said when James said that the tongue is a fire in the midst of the body and it sets the entire body ablaze. James is painting a very poetic picture of how using your mouth will put you in hell one day, some of you, if you are not careful, the things you say, the things you support. And so in this paralyzed church where don't judge has become the brand new mantra, the warning that the Lord has sent me to give to his church today is watch and take heed to yourself that you are not a sympathizer of sin. And so as I was saying, Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias When Peter said to him, why have you conspired to lie to the Holy Spirit? He was saying, you know, you're just a man. And I'm just a man too, but I'm a man under a certain authority. And with that authority comes certain abilities. And the Holy Spirit is telling me that you have lied. Why have you done this? Now for this, you are judged. And the Bible says that the man fell down and died And please note, this is a New Testament story to everyone who thinks that in the New Testament, God has, I don't know, changed his clothes, changed his cologne, and now he's just reckless love God. You can lose your life. You are watching people lose their life. Young people are collapsing. People are fainting at the dinner table, bleeding out. What do you think that is? That is the judgment, the penalty of error in the body. That is what happens to sympathizers of sin. And notice the Old Testament times are gone, gone, gone. We're in the New Testament times and yet we see a startling phenomenon. Life leaving the body, the penalty of error in the body. And so Sapphira is Ananias's wife and she comes afterward and Peter doesn't say a thing to her that, you know, your husband just fell down and died five minutes ago and we just had the young men take him out to bury him because he died and it's, you know, we can't have him lying around before sundown. And he said to her, so you guys sold the house? And she said, yes. And said, so uh, 
about the money and you all of it? And he, she said, yes, we brought all of it because she and her husband had agreed to lie in the Holy Spirit. And then all Peter said was, well, I don't know what's going on in your marriage, but um, the same young men that just buried your husband, I hear their feet. Of course, he didn't actually hear their feet. They were out burying the man. He was speaking prophetically. And he said, I can already hear their feet coming in to take you where your husband is. And the Holy Spirit struck her and she fell down and died. And that's all the Lord said to me about this couple, that he struck the man and that many people right now are sympathizers of the evil in that man. For the man is unrepentant and the man has a huge immorality, perversion problem. And the people want to be higher than God. Here's a warning. When the Lord says, I will strike this city and the people don't do like Nineveh and fall into repentance and say, God of heaven, you have told us you will strike our city, forgive us. But then they rise up, the pastors, the prophets in that city, and they're like, this city will not be struck. This city will go on for hundreds more years and will be a glorious, while you're still talking, the ocean wave will rise up and sink the whole city. This is God. This is classic God, 101. To those who read their Bible, they know exactly what I'm saying. So when the Lord rises up to strike a person, notice how um, smart people will just stay out of it. Isaiah just gave the message and he walked away. It was Hezekiah who had to repent and cry out to God on his own. He didn't go on a live stream and say, people of Jerusalem, I've done so much. I've, I've built up the aqueduct and I'm the one who cleaned out the temple. Remember, I'm the one who did this, but I'm broken. I'm broken. No, he, he went to the only wise God, invisible and said, have mercy on me. And so the Lord making a determination in someone's life, and then the people are saying, we do not accept this. We speak life. What, what power do you have to speak life when the giver of life may decide to take life? Who is going to supersede God? When God says, I, I will take breath, who of us is able to say, that's okay. I've got spare breath at home. In fact, I'll give you mine. Who can supersede? the word of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter nine, which I have read for years on camera. I read again. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice and he said, let all those who have charge over this city come near, each of them carrying a deadly weapon in his hand and suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate that faces the north, each of them carrying a battle axe, not a sharpie, in his hand. And only one man among them was clothed with linen, and he had a rider's inkhorn at his side. So there was one with a sharpie. They went in and they stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the Lord of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been and it was resting at the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who carried the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, go now throughout the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of all the men who cry and sigh over all the abominations that are done within it. To the others, he said in my ears, go after him throughout the city now and kill and do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity. Utterly slay the old and the young men, the maidens, the little children, the women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. And so they began with the elders who were in front of the temple. And he said to them, defile that temple and fill its courtyards with the dead. Go out. And they went out and they killed in the city. So I've often said that Ezekiel 9 is one of the benchmarks of the master's voice. I have been reading it out for the whole time I've been here. And God is basically saying that judgment will come no matter who doesn't agree, no matter who goes and watches something else that's a little bit more upbeat 
Judgment is coming and it will come. And the only people who will receive God's mercy are the people who have been marked. But is it just a free mark? You just get a free mark because you're in the house of God? Is that what the scripture is saying? No. The Lord says that as you are slaying, only put this mark on the people who are vocal, which means they are sighing, they are making expressions with their mouth, and they are crying, which means they are heartbroken over what? All the abominations that are done within the city. So sympathizers of sin in the so-called house of God get no mark of mercy because there's absolutely no way that you can support sin and think that you will escape judgment. Supporting sin is being a friend of Satan and bring, being an enemy of God. So there's absolutely no way that you can expect the protective covering of God when judgment comes. Judgment will come to the houses of all the people who have spent their last 15 years, or not 15, it's been at least eight since Facebook introduced the little colored flag that you can put there. You know, hearts and thoughts and prayers for June month. Anybody who's been doing anything along those lines, you took your daughter for an abortion 10 years ago. You felt she was too young. She's older now. She has grandkids. You are happily visiting the grandkids. You and her have conveniently come to Christ, but neglected to think of little Tyler that you left in the trash can 10 years ago because you have the new kids now, Anna and Doug. So you're not thinking about that baby that you batted like a tennis racket serve an ace back to God, just send him back to heaven where he was coming from or where she was coming from. And you've never come before the Lord to lay that bloodshed down in a specific prayer of heartfelt repentance. You just moved on past it. Don't expect any mark on your forehead when judgment comes, not only to America, but the whole world. The Lord says, go through the city, you with the Sharpie, and the mark should only be upon the heads of those who do not sympathize with sin. Not sympathizing with sin doesn't mean that you have to be belligerent. It doesn't mean that you have to be rude. It doesn't mean that you need to go to the grocery store and, and spit on the, the, the cashier who's clearly in an alternative lifestyle. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that the stance you take in life lines up with the word of God and that you have no other opinions on anything except what the scripture says. You don't have any different views on abortion. You don't have any different views on who are fit to be educators of small children. You don't have any different views on unrighteousness in leadership, whether it is secular leadership, Christian leadership. You don't stand up and heap up the people who are making sex tapes found that this man has a number of sex tapes, Pastor Gray, and immediately my mind hearkened back to the prophecy I made, the burying of Tophet, where the Lord said, your sex tape will come out. Bishop Long's sex tape came out, the compromising pictures and information. Pastor Gray's sex tape is out there circulating in the great unknown and multiple other people like him. And God says that he will bring it all out. And it is a burden in case anyone thinks that it is an interesting gossip trinket, increase my views, increase my likes. It is a burden. It is a burden. It is a burden whether it is the secular people that he's naming to me now, whether it is the, the Christian people that I'm here naming. The word for today, sympathizers of sin. The last verse that I said I would give is Romans. Romans chapter one and verse 32. It's a very simple verse. If you listen to it and you understand it, then God bless you. From Romans chapter 18 up to Romans chapter 31, Paul is doing nothing but listing sin, sexual immorality, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, haters of parents, disobedient to parents, inventors of evil things, proud, boasters, haters of God. This is what the Lord was actually saying, that when you want to sympathize with the sin, please understand that you immediately get yourself a different kind of mark, and that is a hater of God. You don't feel that God has the right to actually point out sin and to judge it, to use 
his servants that he appoints and to use anyone in the body of Christ to call out sin. No, 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 no. You want to protect and hide the sin and cover because, you know, one of America's most famous out exports in Christianity, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. Where are we in the world where people just love the sin? They understand because we're only human. That's what we are. We just stole the gospel from the bald eagles who God gave it to originally. But then every time we fail in the gospel, see, when we can keep the word of God, then we don't, we, we don't, nobody ever says I'm only human when they're walking in righteousness. Isn't, isn't it funny? No, in fact, when we're walking in righteousness, then, then the difficulty begins to come, to become feeling like a God. But the minute we mess up, you know, I'm only human. Yes, we should give the gospel back to the bald eagles. Verse 32, so he has listed all these sins. And then the last group of sinners are these, he says, who know God's righteous judgment. They know that those who practice such things, what things? All the sins I just listed. They know that those who practice such things deserve death. But they not only do the same, they also approve of those who do them. So I've shared and taught this verse before, and I said that the only people who know the righteous judgment of God are Christians. No person in the Baha'i religion, no person in Islam, and no person who is an atheist or who is just generally aesthetically unsaved knows God's righteous judgment. To know God's righteous judgment, you must read this book. So the Lord is speaking directly to Christians and saying that Christians who claim they are in my service and who are in my family know that I have a righteous standard. They know my righteous standard and they know that those who break my standard deserve death. You can change the word deserve death and just say shall be judged by me, God. But then he says, knowing, knowing that I have a standard and knowing that standard breakers deserve death. You still find these people who know about me and know my standard doing the same things, but here's the people who are really in danger. You find them approving of those who do them. So the Lord is saying that within those who know his standard, there are those who keep his standard. There are those who know he has his standard, but they still break it anyway. They know breaking it brings death, but they're still breaking it because, you know, it feels so good right now and, you know, just a little longer. So they're breaking it. But then there's this dangerous third category that nobody wants to talk about that I'm talking about here for an hour. And that is the sympathizers of sin. They know that God has a righteous standard. They know that people are breaking it. Here's a righteous standard, those who are keeping it. Here's the standard. Those who know the standard is there but are breaking it. But here's this hidden, off-camera group. They know the standard and they know people are breaking it, but they approve of people breaking it. They know breaking the standard brings death, but they approve of those who are practicing the evil that God said not to do. We have to be understanding we have to be understanding. Let's not judge. Who can judge among us? Who, who can judge anyone who has eyes and who has a mouth and who can taste the rotten fruit? As Jesus said, by the fruit, you know them. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck and it ticks all the duck characteristics, it's a duck. So we don't say, I think it's a swan. This is the third category who Paul has not neglected to List among those who will be judged by God. Those who approve of sin. Be not a sympathizer of sin. This is Celestial with the Master's Voice. Thank you for being here. And until I see you again, goodbye.